0: Hey, beautiful mama, and welcome to Bell and Beyond. I'm your podcast host, Katie, a mama of one little legend, Hunter, and we have been on the most wild health journey ever. My son was born and diagnosed with a cleft lip, and I want to share with you how I was empowered through it all. This podcast is for mums or soon to be mums and dads. Feel free to jump in too. It's a place to debunk the many motherhood myths that leave us feeling confused, lost, and misguided. I want you mama to walk away from every episode feeling empowered and educated to make choices that feel right for you and your family. My heart is to see mamas connecting back to their roots and being exposed to ancient wisdom with modern day education. I'll be bringing you open and real conversations around topics we are not talking about enough with people passionate about seeing you mama thrive from the belly and beyond. Well, welcome back to another episode of Berlin Beyond. I'm super excited for today's episode because a lot of the different things we've been talking about lately have been about postnatal care, looking after your body, When you're able to go back and exercise, and one of our most successful weeks was hearing from two Pilates instructors about their post care after their C section and particularly difficult birth. So I decided to get Kath Bikion, who is a mom of three, a physiotherapist for women. She has an online community, Fit Nest Mama, which helps bring to provide pregnant and new mothers with exercises, support, and resources they need to move from the overwhelm, the physical aches and pains of pregnancy, the weakness. Felt after birth and instead she helps to replace that with the comfort and confidence they need to get their bodies and minds strong again so they can get back to doing what they love with a bub by their side whether or not that's running around with the kids the park or running the next marathon so i'm really excited to hear from kath i specifically also talk a lot about getting your postnatal physio check what that means for your pelvic floor what that actually looks like You know, there's a lot of one out of five rating and she really speaks into that. But That's only one part of a pelvic floor check and it's really inspired me even 15 months on, I really need to go get my physio check. So enjoy this episode with Kath. I know it's going to be really empowering and super powerful. Even if you're a mama that hasn't ever done anything like this and you're two, three years past your first or second or third baby, it's still so worth getting a physio checkup. So enjoy this episode and I'm super excited. Well, hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Belly and Beyond. I'm really excited today to have Kath here from Fitness Mama, and she's going to tell us a little bit more about pelvic floor, getting a pelvic floor checkup. So Kath, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your business. Well, thanks,
1: Caitlin. So my name's Kath Kath Bacquee, Catherine Bacquee, and I am a physiotherapist for women. So I see women in the clinic. We do pelvic floor assessments, postnatal checks, um, any issues with aches and pains, that sort of thing. And then I've also got an online program called Fitness Mama, F-I-T-N-E-S-T, it's a bit different, um, and we've got the workouts for pregnancy and postpartum, and all the resources to help you have a, an amazing pregnancy and afterbirth recovery. So that's it in a nutshell. And I've got three daughters myself.
0: That's awesome. And tell us a uh, top mama tip. Anything? Just something to give a little <laughs> nugget of gold for the listeners today.
1: Oh my gosh! If you've had a baby. Get a pelvic floor assessment. I was like, I can't not <laughs> have that as a tip. Um, just know your pelvic floor. So, I guess that's what we're going to dive into today. But it, in France, every single postnatal woman gets access to quite a few pelvic floor assessments. And unfortunately, it's not done in Australia very well. Um, we don't have access to any freebies, but it can help set you up for life in my opinion
0: and also it doesn't matter what your birth looked like c-section natural vagina birth the pelvic floor checkup is for everyone right 100 (laughs) percent um okay well tell us a little bit about how you fell into this work because you could be a physiotherapist and focus on sports physio or other aspects of physiotherapy right what made you so passionate about postpartum care and, and pregnancy preparation
1: yeah, you're right because every, I think every physio student, myself included, included starts physio thinking, going to be a sports physio. You know, that's the only sort of physio I knew about. Um, and I did all the sports training. So I did um, the football matches where this is when I was a student and straight away, you know, massaging sweaty hamstrings during a football match. I was like, this is not my thing. <laughs> um Oh, I was just, I was just yeah, I, you know, they wanted to be fixed straight away. I want to get back onto the field straight away. It's was just very different. And I did a clinic, women's health clinic, and I fell in love straight away. So right from a uni student, I was a fresh-faced you know, 20 year old, I've always done Pilates in a women's health clinic of some sort. Um, yeah, providing exercises for pregnant new mums. So once I started, I just didn't stop. And then I did go through a few different areas. Um, I worked in a hospital and different private practices. And then finally, when I had my children, I thought time to do some postgraduate training. And I did the pelvic floor rehab, which is. So not every physio is a pelvic floor physio. You need to go to a physio that's got the the pelvic floor training.
0: Yeah, wow, awesome. And I think it's obviously so needed and I love that there has been such a kind of increase in the message across Instagram and media and more women are becoming aware of it. And when I first found out about it, I was like, what do you mean? Like, no one's ever told me to do that. I had a great birth. I didn't have any particular, you know, perineal tearing. I didn't have anything which I felt, you know, damaged me And I didn't go and get the checkup. Now I'm like 14 months down the line. I'm like, I should go and get that checkup because you can't see inside just because you don't feel it doesn't
1: mean there's not something going on, right? You're right. And that's the problem. It's an internal muscle to the body. So your pelvic floor sits at the base of your pelvis. And because it's internal it's a it's easy to forget about because it's not an exciting exercise to do but b a lot of women are actually doing it incorrectly when they think they are doing it correctly so there's there's a couple of ways of testing pelvic floor but one's via a vaginal examination so an internal assessment and then another way is via via an ultrasound machine like the ultrasound that you use to check out your babies but we use it to check out your muscles with your pelvic floor. And it's not, if you're going to have a pelvic floor assessment, you know, I always think it's worth um, having a vaginal examination if you can because it's much more thorough and gives a lot more information. So if you're going to go to the trouble, you may as well do it properly. But what you said before, you're even though you're 14 months postnatal, that's great because like, to get your pelvic floor assessed, it's never too late because we know that from research, we know there's a spike of pelvic floor issues around pregnancy and childbirth. And then for women, there's another spike of issues where women are more likely to have these concerns around menopause time. And I do see a lot of women coming in their 50s and the number of times they say to me, oh, I wish I'd had this assessed after my children because before, you know it, 10 years has passed, 15 years has passed of, you know, not doing much in terms of pelvic floor rehab. And that's 10, 15 good years that you could have been working on your strength So yeah, it's never too late. I have women coming to see me in their 80s. It's never too late, but definitely sooner is always better. I always think it's great to nip things in the bud or get onto things sooner rather than later.
0: And what I've also found really interesting through talking to two other Pilates instructors who shared their story on the podcast, their birth story, was your physical sport strength doesn't necessarily mean that your pelvic floor is strong and I think that can be a misconception maybe in the fitness world or the strength world I'm fit I'm healthy I'm strong there wouldn't be anything wrong with my pelvic floor but actually when these girls did do their assessment they were like a two out of five Um, and the other thing that uh, I've heard people also mention is they might not find out until the second or third baby um, and that pelvic floor has just potentially got worse or continue to say the same every subsequent birth and they're like wow that's probably been a problem for like maybe five to ten years Mm. um because you don't
1: know in your first birth you know that's right and you're right it's not always a strength thing there's lots to it and we do see quite a few young females who are athletes and yeah that's a whole different sort of um set of issues that we might be dealing with. So it's not necessarily a strength issue. Um, It could be an overactivity, like the muscles are overactive uh, and they can also be overactive and weak. So that's why an individual assessment is so important because then you can treat the issue rather than just putting a blanket rule on, you know, you're leaking, therefore you must be weak in your pelvic floor muscles because that's not necessarily true. And
0: so we get told when we have a baby, go and get your six-week GP follow-up, whether you've had a vaginal birth or a C-section. And to be honest, unless you've got a really, I don't know, integrative doctor or someone that's really aware of things beyond kind of the basic scope, most of the time they don't touch your body you know, they might just take one look at you and give you the tick. They don't really explain in detail what types of exercise, how often you should be exercising. So really it's not the greatest checkup from like that physiological perspective. So why is it so important to actually go and get that physio checkup from that six week beyond point?
1: Yeah, you're right. The medical, the six week medical check, they're generally looking at the medical side of things and your baby's health They don't go into your physical recovery as much. So they're quite unique and they're quite different in in what we do. So as a physio, if someone was to come in for a six-week postnatal check, it does vary depending on what um, the issues are, but generally that might include a pelvic floor assessment. We would check their abdominals and check if there's any separation, check what their strength is like in their abdominals, find out if there's any aches or pains. Um, But importantly as well, is finding out what the goals are. Like, what do you want to get back to doing? For some women, they just want to be able to run confidently at the park with their children. Whereas other women want to get back to running the next marathon. So for every woman has different goals, but then setting, getting a bit of a plan in place so that you know how to achieve your goals, I think is so important because we we know how linked physical and mental health is. And I really think that six week appointment, even though it's all about the physical side of things, it's really giving you that confidence to move and, you know, to not limit yourself in anything, not think, oh, I can't jump on the trampoline because I'm going to leak or giving you that confidence that yeah I can get out there I can move I can play with my kids it helps in so many different facets of life not just physical but it's our mental our social all those sorts of things so yeah confidence is such a big thing and knowing being confident that you are lifting your pelvic floor correctly or you know that you've got a plan of action in place it can it's worth its weight in gold
0: and if girls aren't getting these checks, for example, because most likely they haven't been advised to or haven't even heard that it's a possibility or a requirement, and they are, let's say, feeling the pressure of bouncing back, and I absolutely hate that term. I think it should be bouncing forward at the right time and pace. that's good for you. And let's say they do go back into a high intensity HIIT class and their pelvic floor hasn't been tested. And let's say there is something wrong. What are the implications of that?
1: Well, uh, we were just saying off air. I feel that this is one driver behind creating Fitness Mama because I feel as a physio, traditionally women, you know, they might feel great after childbirth and, you know, as you same with you being told you don't have a perineal tear or you don't have an abdominal muscle separation, you're good to go. And then when they're finally no longer sleep deprived and they're wanting to get back to the gym, if women get back to things too quickly that's when I do tend to see women in the clinic. It's when they have issues with leaking or prolapse symptoms or aches and pains. And I strongly feel that if we can be more proactive and look at our afterbirth recovery as a rehab process, that will stop us doing too much too soon. And if you think about what happens, I I love comparing childbirth to football because although they're totally different, there's so many similarities. So If you're a football player, what happens if you hurt your hammy? You you know, you do a hamstring strain or you, you rupture an ACL. Like generally there's there's a process in place. So generally there's a period of rest. You might have to have a surgery if it's an ACL RECO. What happens after your surgery? You'll have that rest, you'll have that recovery. Then you start back at the gym, you do some gentle strength work. Eventually you might start run throughs and some, you know, a, a small amount of training with your teammates before you eventually get back to playing competitive football. And there's a real there's very clear guideline as to what steps they need to take. Whereas Unfortunately, after having a baby, we have that six-week medical check, and then next thing is they're back at the gym or a HIIT class or f forty-five or whatever it might be. This is why I created Fitness Mama was to put more of a step-by-step plan into place. So, if women could have a step-by-step plan, then I really do think it would help us recover better. More confidently, with fewer issues, so that we're not then having to run to the physio when we start to leak or those sorts of things. So that's why I I created Fitness Mama, is because I really, I'm so passionate about that preventative we deserve our our body deserves postnatal rehab and to think of it as rehab i think is really helpful so for any woman who's listening who thinks i want to get back to the gym after childbirth just have a think what are the steps you could do before getting back to the gym so what are some step by step you know are you just going to go from being sleep deprived hardly sleeping at all to to going back to the gym so yeah it, it doesn't need to be a complicated rehab plan but just thinking of a few steps before you get back to any of the high impact exercises or coming and doing a 12 week return to running program, which is Inside Fitness Mama. Just anything that works for you, whether or not that's home workouts or you know going to the park and doing something or going to the gym. And I love the graphic that went viral kind of in the birthing space
0: of comparing C-section rehabilitation to knee surgery rehabilitation and how we don't actually treat going seven what is six or seven layers deep into your abdominals as rehabilitation it's just oh you've got a scar treat your scar don't let it get infected off you go like there really is no guidance or roadmap or there's not even like a one-page document to like give you some stretching or the places to go and get like there's nothing and like in any other I I think coming back to the sports industry because it's obviously such a favorable industry and so well back financially they would never ever let a sports star that's ever come out of an intense surgery like that ever just jump back on the field without intense tick-offs and checks and rehabilitation and all the professionals that come in could be weeks months and it's all over the news but it's like yeah, anyway, that's yeah. as always with women, we kind of get, get discarded and left to just like hang in there, girl, you'll be right. Yeah, I know. And you're right, we need a rehabilitation plan, and structure helps women also feel confident in the process.
1: Yeah, and even that going back to what you just said, that first six weeks where the best part of your rehab plan is rest and recovery before you, you know, gradually start to move things along but how can we even do that when our partner only has maybe two weeks parental leave or yeah we might have to be back at the supermarket pushing a trolley at two weeks postpartum with a toddler and a newborn like it's anyway I could talk all day about it I know and I and I do love that
0: we are creating so much awareness like there's so many things you can do now you can have a great postpartum plan you can have your food in place, you can get a cleaner, you can have a doula, you can access resources, online shopping. And if you are aware of what your postpartum journey could look like and have a bit of an emergency plan, as they say, or ask for your partner's holidays to be extended if you have a C-section or all these little tips and tricks, I think is definitely changing that birthing space. And women are feeling more supported in these
1: countries where community hasn't really been on the forefront that's where I do think social media has been amazing and podcasting Mm. it's really helping our voice get heard rather than having to go through a third party we get to say it as it is
0: yeah absolutely I think there's never been more a time when women have been so empowered to make the right choices and um, access the right information so you've done your assessment I've come in you've done the let's just say you've done the vaginal assessment we've there's a rating can you explain how
1: there's a rating and why there's
0: a rating for your pelvic floor
1: okay the rating that you mentioned before so if you're told that you two out of five that's just one element of the whole pelvic floor assessment so when you do a pelvic floor assessment like I would assess a woman's first of all assess their activation. Are they able to activate their muscles? Are they able to lift them? Are they able to fully relax them? Then I would assess the strength. I'd assess coordination. I'd assess endurance. And I'd assess it functionally. So I would ask them to do a pelvic floor lift when they do a sit-up or we'd do a standing assessment and do a pelvic floor lift while they do some do some weight, use some weights. So I don't often give women a rating because I feel women get fixated on the rating. Like what you've just said, like that rating is one element of about four important things. So when I give women a pelvic floor muscle training program, it includes the strength program quick lifts, endurance, functional, relaxation, you know, all the different aspects. So just quickly with that rating, it's pretty much a scoring of where you're at in terms of strength. So a zero out of five generally means there's no activation. A one out of five means there's flickers and then it gets stronger. So, you know, five out of five means it's really strong. So it's a rating and we know that that rating, the reliability is best. It's in. For our reliability, that's the best. I might have got that wrong, but so if I was to reassess it in the next session, then that would be quite a reliable score. But if I assess a woman once and then another physio assesses it once, that rating's not very reliable. Does that make okay. sense? So it's yes. just it's just one element, and it's great, yeah, it's great to have because then when the woman comes back to see you for a reassessment you can assess whether they're getting stronger amazing
0: and you obviously do the full journey with that person until they reach a point where you're like, I feel like we've achieved what we wanted to achieve. You're ready for this goal that you have, which could be whatever form of sport, activity. They could either, you know, the next subsequent pregnancy and birth, they could continue to do your program to prepare for the next birth. And would you then say by going on this journey the next subsequent pregnancy and birth would be better in terms of strength and all of that? Like would the outcome continue to go that way or do you need to go back into another round of rehabilitation because every birth and pregnancy is different?
1: Yeah, good question. Look, from research we know that pelvic floor strengthening during pregnancy can definitely help with afterbirth recovery. And I personally know from having 3 children, each time I had a baby, I needed to really get on top of my pelvic floor. And I still do 3-4 years postpartum, like I know my pelvic floor could be stronger. I know there's some exercises I need to adapt because I don't have the strength yet. So it's not that I don't do any exercises, I just you know, if I go to the gym, sometimes I get them a look. And I'm like, I've had three babies. I can't do that or I'm not quite ready for that. So I think part of your journey needs to be becoming confident where you're at in your recovery and knowing the steps to get stronger. So it's never a place. It's never a situation of saying, like, I feel really sad when women come in to see me and they say, I've been told never to do sit-ups again, or I've been told never to do a plank because I'm, I'm not strong enough. Like I, I don't think that's, we sh- we shouldn't be satisfied with that. I, what we need is a plan of action so that we can get back to doing what we love and there's always ways that we can modify things, adapt things and, yeah, we don't want to be putting any limits on what we can do.
0: So basically by women feeling confident where they're at on their rehabilitation journey and knowing what their body can and can't do when they are going to these and quite often us women are going to group classes where it is a generic exercise for everybody and you have to kind of you know put your hand up and go can you give me an adaption or being able to learn your own adaption to exercises so you don't have to ask the instructor just means, I guess, you kind of feel empowered, you have your voice, because there's nothing worse than being in a class and something doesn't feel right, but you feel so anxious, you just keep doing it because you don't want to look like you're the the weak link in the class or you're not doing it because it's too
1: hard. That that sucks. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. And that's... I just love it when women come see me and afterwards, like let's say we assess their pelvic floor during a sit-up. And there's a way that we can do a sit-up that's going to put a lot of downward pressure through that pelvic floor and it's not necessarily favorable. Where there's a way of doing a sit-up where we're activating the pelvic floor and we're still breathing. We're not grunting and holding our breath and we're putting a lot less downward pressure through that area. So, if you're right because a lot of women it doesn't feel comfortable or it doesn't feel right but they don't know what to do so they just keep on doing it and that's one of the benefits of having a plan of action because then you do feel confident you know okay I can't do it quite yet but I'm going to do this in the meantime and I'm going to continue to work on my strength so that maybe in a month's time I can try again see what it feels like do you know what I mean we yeah that's it's all about feeling empowered as you said
0: and it's a journey. And I would say from my own experience, I mean, I don't think I fully did the Pilates exercises in its entirety for like nine to 12 months where I literally felt like I went into every single class and I was like, yep, I can do that. And even now, 15 months on, they still do some abdominal exercises. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm just going to go back to the other exercise. Cause when I do that, I feel like I'm really in control I feel like I'm activating the right muscles. It feels good. And I still feel like I'm getting a bloody good workout. That's the thing. Half those exercises look like you're doing nothing. But like the brain coordination for me with activating those muscles was so hard. I remember saying to my brain, come on, why isn't this working? Really quite severe ab separation quite early on. I actually remember when my abs separated i actually felt it pulling apart at the airport when i was coming home from byron and i remember calling my mom in pain sitting down and i'm like i literally feel like my abs are separating and i didn't even know what that meant at the time but i could and that was only at like i think that was only in my first trimester And I already felt that. And then I could feel the gap in between for months and months and months. And I was like, I didn't know that this happened. What is happening to me? My middle of my core is separating, (laughs) you know, like it is a bit of a shock. And then I remember thinking afterwards, I'm just not going to force this. I have a gap between my abs right now. I just want to take it really so. And I think some classes I just did breathing, breathing in and out and just tried to relax.
1: Um, Yeah, that's an interesting point you bring up about Pilates because it's, a and, and I do Pilates inside Fitness Mama, but there's a way that you can do Pilates. I think a traditional, and again, this is why it's great to get assessed because a traditional Pilates class, you might be in there for 45 minutes or an hour and they're saying, zip up your pelvic floor or, you know, tighten your core and you try to do that for a whole 45 minutes or an hour. And for some women, that's just impossible. And or for other women, it might be causing overactive issues. I think, yeah, so that's interesting what you bring up because I'm very much for there's times when our pelvic floor need to be activated and strong. And then there's times when our pelvic floor actually just need to chill out and relax. And we don't want to be, you know, on the whole time. It's like if you're, imagine your neck muscles. If you were hitching your shoulders up towards your ears for a whole hour's class you'd probably develop pain or discomfort in those muscles. And that's where I sometimes think Pilates classes, we just have to be careful about the instructor and where we're going because if we're not ready for that, it can actually be a full-on workout that your body is not yet ready for. So just yeah, being aware of those things can be really great.
0: I fully felt all of that and I definitely picked the classes with certain instructors where they would check my ab separation. I appreciated that a lot. The uh-huh hope you're enjoying our episode with Kath. Isn't she amazing? She's passionate. She's vibrant. She's super successful in helping women recover. One of her passions is seeing women be able to run again after birth, which I think is just incredible. Could I please ask you as well to take a moment to think about any women in your world that would benefit from any of the episodes of and Beyond and please send them one of the links. If you could also go and leave a review of your favorite episode, I would appreciate that so much. Please continue to reach out to my DMs and share a little bit more about what's been your favorite episode, what you're loving most. I'd love to hear your testimonies. I'd love to hear your feedback. I had another incredible review the other day. Hey, beautiful, I stumbled across your Instagram from someone sharing an episode and I realized I already knew you back in the day. Anyway, I'm reaching out because my daughter is 12 weeks old, was born with a birth defect called laryngemalcia. I'm not doing that justice. And she's had two surgeries already and currently tube fed, even though we did get to experience breastfeeding for a few months at the start. I'm on the pumping hospital journey, just like you two. I've been so encouraged by what you're sharing and it has been a really lonely place and I'm always seeing babies doing so well around me, but to see your journey has encouraged me so much and wanting me to help others too. And that was just one of the beautiful reviews that came in just this week. So please write your review. Please let me know how you're feeling and please let me know how this podcast is impacting you. It really does mean the world to me. All right, let's get back into the episode with Kath. One thing I did notice on your Instagram, which I found really interesting, I'd love to just switch gears a little bit, was just how you talk about your care and healing after a perineal tearing, which other than the bacterial aspect and the actual healing of the stitches and the tearing, I haven't really heard much other support. And that's where you hear women say, can't sit down, sat on a donut for three weeks. and It's kind of like this awkward joke, but there's not really any practical physical support after that like what actually happens to body when that takes place and what is required to actually get back in action
1: yeah great question so when we have a baby like a vaginal birth the perineum area needs to stretch a lot like up to 300 <laughs> <300%. laughs> percent so three times its length that it needs to stretch and if you think about again the hamstring strain that tears at 18 percent whereas pelvic floor muscles can stretch up to 300% of its length. So they're an amazing muscle that's perfectly built for childbirth. And during childbirth, it is common to get a graze or a tear in the perineum, and the majority of them heal really well. So they're graded 1 to 4. The grade three they're the ones we are wanting to avoid if possible, but even if you do have a grade 3 to 4 tear, where it's a larger tear towards the anus, Again, that's where you need to get yourself onto a pelvic floor rehab plan because you want to help that recovery as much as possible. But even grade one to two or a graze or no graze. Like I, I really do think those first six weeks postpartum are really important for helping with that recovery. I like to think about an elastic band that gets stretched. And after birth, We want that natural recoil to occur as much as possible. So if our perineal muscles are like an elastic band, what can we do to help with that recoil? So do you want me to run through a few tips? Perineal. Yes, yes. Yes, please. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Because it's very common yeah absolutely it's really common and they heal really well but again it's one of those things i think if we can just be armed with a bit of knowledge it can really help with the recovery being preventative like proactive rather than reactive okay so i haven't got this written down so let's hope i don't forget anything step number one is to include bursts of horizontal rest for the first six weeks. So when we're up against gravity, even in sitting, we've got the weight of gravity and all your pelvic organs pushing down on your perineal area and your pelvic floor. So if we can get ourselves horizontal, so have a lie down, even if it's for five to 10 minutes, that can really help to take that area off stretch. And I think that's underlooked a lot. I think this is where after a cesarean birth you're generally told you can't drive and i think that's brilliant and i wish every woman couldn't drive because <laughs> if we can't drive it means we're not hauling the pram in and out of the car and if we're not hauling the pram in and out of the car you're probably not going to be on your feet for long periods you know driving to that cafe or wherever it may be and you're sitting and walking around and then it's hours before you get home and by then Like this is what I felt personally as well after my first, um, that pelvic heaviness towards the end of the day. I felt like I had a ton of bricks on my pelvis and all I had done was a walk to a cafe which was 20 minutes away or 30 minutes away sit down have my coffee did a breastfeed walk home via a supermarket pick up a bottle of milk and then walk home again three hours later at two weeks postpartum it was just too much and it's not that I wasn't fit and strong it's just everything is stretched 300 percent and I had signs of pelvic organ prolapse which I could have prevented so luckily um, they were only they weren't long-lasting symptoms and luckily I was able to nip things in the bud. But I think that's just an example how that horizontal rest and not lifting anything heavier than your baby for the first six weeks can really help with your recovery. So they're they're two big ones. And it's hard. You know, if you've got a toddler at home, being told to not lift your toddler, it's hard.
0: I don't (laughs) like that.
1: And there's quite a
0: dispute. (laughs) They're already dealing with a new person yeah. in their world and they kind of want to be back to the centre of attention from what yeah. I've heard and then you're like, no, I can't pick you up. That's like yeah. the ultimate rejection for them.
1: Yeah, I know, 100%. I totally get it and there's sometimes you might have to but I also tell all my moms when they're pregnant, let, let's try to get into a habit now of not picking up a toddler so that it's not such a... You know, shock to the system when you bring home a new little baby and say, sorry, darling, I can't pick you up anymore. So having a cuddle couch. So you have all your cuddles on a particular couch. You know, getting some lightweight steps to move around the house so that they can, you know, step up to the basin or step up to their change table. If you do need to pick them up, asking them if they can with help, climb on a chair first and then pick them up from more waist height it's much better than picking them up off the ground so those are ways that you can really help reduce that lifting even if it's just some of the time can be really helpful third thing after a perineal tear is to ice ice is Thought to really help with pain and healing. Like we don't want to be icing all the time because you do need that blood flow to help with healing. But there are a few reasons why. Icing every few hours for 20 minutes or so in those that first week or few days postpartum can really help too. And then the one that's probably not talked about as much is avoiding constipation and straining on the toilet. It's those downward pressures, again, like the lifting. If you're having to strain on the toilet, it's putting that area under a lot of load. So my tip for the first poo, which can be a bit daunting for some women, if you're pregnant and you don't know what I'm talking about, you'll probably think I'm a bit crazy, but grab grab some toilet paper, wrap it around your hand. And when you feel that urge to go to the toilet, then you can pop that hand on your perineum, like around your vagina area and that skin so that you're providing that upward support, which will help you to relax around the back passage and do a poo a bit easier rather than Mm. straining. So that feeling of support, that extra
0: comfort there rather than feeling vulnerable and kind of just hanging over the toilet.
1: Exactly, rather than feeling everything's heading south, just by providing that upwards support with your hand, you could use a washer or you know toilet paper wrapped around. Yep. Can it it sounds simple but it can really help make a big difference.
0: I love that. Um that makes so much sense to me. The other thing that's just popped into my mind which I also don't feel like we talk about enough which um is obviously whether you're breastfeeding or bottle feeding or whatever the situation is most mums sit a lot you're sitting a lot and you're resting but that also is having an impact on the body because i know a lot of people for their job they could sit at a desk eight hours a day and obviously physios and chiros recommend getting up and keeping movement because it's not good to sit all the time but there's not much you can do about that when the first three months you are really sitting a lot what impact is that also having on the body because I know you want to be maintaining a good posture. You want to be sitting in a good seat. You know, I had major issues sitting upright in my bed. That was causing a lot of spinal pressure for me that the weight was actually sitting on the bottom of my spine. I was seeing a chiropractor regularly because I had a mild scoliosis. So I was very active and proactive before. Um but that's another thing we don't talk about. Your, your shoulders are sore, you're slouching, your body's sore, your traps are sore. Like everything's aching, and the baby's not even that heavy, but it feels like they're ten times heavier than what they are. Just to wrap up, just share a little bit about how important that part of postpartum carries as well.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Like what you said, your baby might be three kilos, but after twenty minutes, it feels like thirty kilos, doesn't it? I totally remember. Ah, oh, so there's a few things here. If you can, breastfeed lying down can be amazing. I personally didn't master this till my third baby. So just keep persevering, get as much support as you can. But if you can master it, and I know it's tricky, but it but lying down can help with your upper back, that shoulder and neck tightness and discomfort. It can help with your pelvic floor as well because that's your burst of horizontal rest. But if you can't, then there's a few things. So inside Fitness Mama, the theme is all about breastfeeding relief. So every workout we're doing for pregnancy is aimed at building up our strength around our arms, our postural muscles, you know, our upper back, all those important muscles to help us have the strength in the first place to hold our baby. Secondly, get yourself onto some beautiful stretches to help do before your feed or after your feed. Know what stretches you can do to help relieve any discomfort. And then thirdly would be to bring your baby up to you rather than you down to the baby. So this is where some great pregnancy pillows, having lots of pillows on standby when you're setting yourself up, because once you're feeding, I remember, especially with my first, I did not want to move a muscle once she finally latched up. It's like, I can't move. I can't breathe. She's finally latched. So if you can have pillows close by, where you can slide them then once they're feeding under your baby so that then you can relax your shoulders and neck and wrists as much as possible, that can really help too. So, yeah, you know, I think that's another area we don't talk about again though and that's part of what your, your postnatal rehab plan should include is some of those postural muscles, so the upper limbs, your arms, your upper back, you know, stretches because it's a really common area to get achy and sore. So a lot of women say to me, I don't have time to exercise. And it's a real struggle, 100% no. But we also need to rethink what is exercise. Exercise doesn't have to mean driving to the gym, doing a 60-minute workout, driving home, doing bite-sized two minutes here or five minutes there. It can make the world of difference. And sometimes that's all we've got time for in those early days. And being kind to ourselves as well. Like, okay, it might not be your usual workout, but if you just spent, you know, 10 minutes or five minutes doing some stretches while your baby lies next to you or plays next to you, like how amazing is that? Have a woman's health physio or someone that
0: you trust that's doing the journey with you. Have a plan, a rehabilitation plan, and use your time wisely in the best way to nurture and look after
1: your body which is which is the basic message right we've got our bodies for the rest of our life we want to be dry and continent we don't want to be leaking 60 years old so yeah let's give it the attention it deserves
0: Well, thank you so much, Kath, for coming on and sharing your wisdom and knowledge and your experience as a woman's health physio and providing a sense of change across our female society. We still have so much to learn.
1: So, thank you so much for that. Thanks, Caitlin. And you've got a great podcast here and platform to help spread some amazing messages. So, thank you.
0: Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Bell and Beyond. Mama, I know you're so busy and your time is precious. So I hope today's episode has left you feeling more empowered around your choices and that your voice matters. If you have loved this week's episode, make sure you subscribe and get all the weekly updates. It would also be so awesome if you could leave a five-star review for this independently run podcast produced by this mama herself. And if you've had all the feels today and a mums popped into your mind, jump over send her a dm or share it on your stories that would be the absolute best if you have any questions at all connect with me over on my instagram at belly and beyond underscore and let's write or rewrite your story of motherhood together